0: Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father, and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Cool guys, lovely to be here. It's very difficult to come up after Anu and Werner because then all of my jokes don't sound that funny. So I'm I'm just gonna keep a straight face and uh, fill up my water that Werner also drinks every time. (laughs) Um, But for those of you who don't know me, my name is Brown. I've been working at the church since last year, May month. And I shared last week with the Afrikaans congregation. I'm so excited for this week that's to come because now this week, it'll be officially my one year anniversary at the church, and I know, you know, Werner and sona they've got big things planned. <laughs> you know, I just know them. And there's, there's going to be gifts, there's going to be cake, there's going to be stuff to eat. You know, but no pressure. So, so I, I, I'm, I'm going to wait for them to see what, what they have for me. Um, but speaking about gifts, our sermon topic for tonight is the gifts of the Spirit. And before we begin, let me just pray for us. Yes, Lord, thank you that we can be here tonight, Lord, and thank you that it's fun to serve you, Lord, and you know, thank you, Lord, that as Werner also shared, Lord, that you are everything to us, Lord, and everything for us, Father, and, and we just want to come and say thank you, Lord, and I just pray, Lord, that that as we go through tonight, Lord, we just realize more and more, Father, that you are that pearl of great price, Lord, and that as we learn to know more about you, Father, and discover your ways, Lord, that. You know, we just surrender more of ourselves to you, Father, and you know, I just also pray, Father, that some of the misconceptions that we have, Father, and the things that we've grown up with, Lord, that you just come and break down those lies, Father, and those maybe wrong ways of, of, of that we've looked at things, Father, and just come and impart, Lord, a biblical view, Father, of how you want to work in and through us, Lord, and may we never be the limiting factor, Father, for what you want to come and do in and through us, Lord. And we just want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you that you are gracious, Lord. Thank you that you are merciful and that you always work through us, Father, and you know, that you, you're always willing to, to, to lift us up, Father, and to have grace and mercy in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool, guys. So the last while we, we spoke a bit about the gifts of the Spirit. We spoke about the hearts behind the gift. So I'm going to repeat some of the things that we've, we've heard the last couple of weeks. So, so just bear with me as we go through this. And just before we begin, I I would like to make a statement um, that might might rattle some nerves, but let me do it anyway. Did you know that if we, as a church and as Christians, say to God that He can use us in any way that He wants to use us, we have to be open and active towards the gifts of the Spirit? Now, I don't know if you have ever thought about it that way. And the same with church. You know, if if we want to say to God that He can use us in any way He wants to, then we need to be active towards church as well. Because both the church and the gifts are not a man-made thing. You see, it's not something that that we invented or we came up with or we thought, okay, God gave us the Great Commission. We're not really sure how He wants to do this. So let's start the church and let's ask God to give us some weird gifts that's called the gift of the Spirit. And that's how we going to pursue that. No, but that is God who intended for the church to be here, and it's God who gave the gifts to work it in and through us. So if we're not open towards the gifts, we can actually be a hindrance to what God wants to come and do in and through our life. And yes, there's been misuse. People have used it in in weird ways, but the same with the church then again, if we relate it to the church. Is every church in the world perfect and doing things according to what God called them to do? No. Have we made mistakes as a church? Yes. Are we going to make mistakes? Yes. Does that mean we should stop church and everyone should just go and do their own thing? No. And the same is true for the gift. We need to apply ourselves to the gifts, and we need to ask God to come and just reshape our thinking towards it, so that we can use it in the way that He intended for us to use it. And tonight, I'm not going to do the the usual points where I list all of the things, and this is point one, two, and three. So as I go through, just make a couple of notes. But But what I want to focus on is just why God gave the gifts. Now that's an important question that we need to ask. How do we know what our gift is? And then we're going to go through the list of the spiritual gifts and then just end off with the motivation behind why we pursue the gifts. So just firstly, there's mainly three lists in the New Testament of gifts that we see. Gifts of the Father, gifts of the Son, and gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're just quickly going to go through that just to place it into little boxes so that we can just see where they are. The first is found in Romans 12, verse 6 to 8. And it says there, having gifts that differ, according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to your faith. If service, in your serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. So if we can go to the next slide, that is the gifts of the Father, found in Romans 12, verse 6 to 8. And just to quickly explain these gifts, you know, we can almost think of them as natural talents, which is quite weird, because obviously every talent that we have is also a gift from God. But it's something that we see in our lives, you know, interwoven into our very nature of how God creates us, and, and we can see it from a very young age, you know, these gifts working through us. And one uh, funny example, me and my wife, we were in Artenbosch, we are sitting there by, by the ocean, and we're sitting on the beach, and there's a little place called the Strandverwege. And they play games with little children, and the specific game is with hula hoops. It works a lot like musical chairs. So how it works is the children run around when the music plays. If the music stops, you need to go to the hula hoop, and if you're in it and you pull it over your head, then nobody can enter the hula hoop anymore, and you're safe. And whoever's outside of the hula hoop, they're out. And as time goes by, they take away more hula hoops. But the key is, there can be more than one person in a hula hoop. And it's funny for me to see, because now we also see how quickly sin enters into the, human, into the human being. Because some people, they gun for that hula hoop, they're the only one in, choop over the head. I will stand in this hula hoop and I will let no one enter. And the funny thing is, there's always this cute little girl, and she just keeps that hula hoop down. For as many people as possible to enter. And once they've all entered, they try to pull it up and then eventually the lobe breaks because they just can't fit so many people in. But that is the gift of mercy and that is a father gift. Before she's come to know Jesus or, or do anything in her life, you can already see this gift. But as cute as the gift is in that little girl, so it can also be destructive and harmful for us and towards the people around us if it's not redeemed by God. Because that same girl grows up one day, she has that gift of mercy And now she sees maybe, and and, and we all know a a friend like that. Maybe you are that friend. So sorry if that is you. But we we have that friend, and she's always dating the guys that she's not supposed to date. You know, someone would say, okay, that was my girlfriend on school, but we're not going there. (laughs) Um, Robin, my wife now. Um, but, But a lot of the same example, you know. And she's always dating the person that she's not supposed to date. And the guy comes out of broken relationships. But she has mercy and she has compassion towards this guy and a couple of weeks go by and then they're in a relationship and it's actually destructive for both of them. You know, the same with the gift of generosity. If, if, if your friend is a drug addict and he has a gift of generosity, not so good because then he shares everything he has with the people around him. We also had a friend like that. I'm not going to say who that was. Um, but I am very generous. And now to go to the second list of gifts. That is in Ephesians 4, where we find the gifts of the Son. And it says, He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Speaking about Jesus. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So we can go to that next line. This is the gift of the Son, also known as the fivefold ministry. And just to explain also, not everybody has per se this specific gift, but it's a leadership gift that Jesus gives to the church so that we can make holistic disciples and grow the church as we are supposed to grow the church, in every asset of it, you know, in, every, in every single way. Like, for example, Werner, he's, a very, uh, he's an evangelist. So he wants to go out continuously and reach people. And if he's not recruited you for the rugby club, then you're not a guy. Then you're a girl. So if you're a guy, he's trying to recruit you for the rugby club because we go out and we try to reach the people out there. And then you have Carl, one of our worship leaders. He's very pastoral. So we need all of that fivefold ministry to ensure that the church grows holistically and that we make holistic disciples. Because the danger is if only Werner is here. And that's actually so beautiful how God created it because even a very gifted leader, he cannot do it on his own. He needs people around him. It won't work. It won't be what God intended for it to be. Because if only we here, we'll continue to go and we'll fetch people. But that people will get offended with one another. You know, we'll sit around, not quite knowing what to do here because we're continuously focused on what to do out there. And then if you only have Carl, very pastoral leader, you have 20 very happy people. (laughs) You'll have people and they feel loved and cared for and it's a family, but that family won't grow. Because we're continually just, just going to sit with one another, care for one another, and love one another. Yes, he also has love for the people out there, but they'll grow very slowly. You know, that is again the pastoral leader. And that is the danger of a single gift in church. And we need everyone to bring their gift so that we can grow the church. And then the last list, which we're going to focus on tonight, is 1 Corinthians 12, from verse 8 to 10. And it says there, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gift of healing by the same Spirit. And that's plural, but we'll get to that. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. So that is the gifts of the Spirit, which we're going to focus on tonight. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8-10. to And, you know, the issue comes in that whenever we desire the spiritual gifts or whenever we want to pursue the spiritual gifts, the danger comes in when we only look at these seven verses. We go to the list on where they're named. We don't look at the context around them. And then we pursue those gifts, not knowing why they are there. How do we know what gifts we have and how do we use them and out of what place do we use them? And then it becomes destructive, even if we know Jesus, because we need to know the context. So as we we read through this, we're just going to look at the context of 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8 to 10. So you can read with me on the boards. Verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And just to pause there for a brief moment, just to give you a bit of context on the Corinthian church. So they were in a very pagan community, you know, people worshiping idols, um, busy with all kinds of spiritual things, you know, and they understood something about the spiritual reality as they were engaging with demons, stuff like that, idol worship and witchcraft. And what Paul is just trying to say to them, because what would happen is, because they've already experienced something of the spiritual world and they know the reality of it when they received the holy spirit they began to to run with everything they wanted and yet they pursued the spiritual gifts but the church were in a bit of chaos you know everyone came and they started speaking in funny languages this one was praying in tongues that one was speaking in tongues and there was no order and nobody knew what what the other person was saying so all that's Paul is saying to them, you know, even though there's chaos and they, he's busy correcting that chaos at the moment, just know that because they were also busy chanting weird things, you know, in the temple down the road and while they were worshiping idols, and he just wanted to, to tell them, you know, that whatever you hear someone say next to you, you know, however strange it might sound, just know that if it is the Holy Spirit, they will not say Jesus is cursed. You know, they, they, won't, they won't curse Jesus in that moment. And I could think because there was a lot of different races in that church. So I always picture, you know, a Russian guy. Because whatever, whatever they say, it sounds a bit violent. You know, even if they just greet you, Russian sounds a bit violent. So if I hear a Russian guy speaking in a tongue, I also get a bit, what's this guy saying? And Paul's just saying, don't worry, they're not cursing Jesus. Then verse 4. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gift of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually, as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we all were baptized in one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a, a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any lesser part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would, make it, that would not make it any lesser part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it. That there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, and individual members of it. Now, quite a big piece of Scripture there. But as we read through that Scripture, we see that Paul, you know, goes in great detail to explain this and also explain the context of it, you know, why we need it. And we see the importance of it. And that is why, like I said, you know, if we only look at the seven verses where the the gifts are listed, we, we just pursue them and we don't know why we pursue them. We don't know why we, we have them in our church and how to apply them. It becomes very destructive, you know, and what the church has done, and we've said it the last couple of while, a couple of times, that some people say, okay, we're not going to pursue the gifts of the Spirit at all. We're not going to go there because people have misused it. And now an, another view that we've adopted, and it sounds like a very good view. You know, it sounds like, yo, this carries the wisdom of God. I, I think this is the correct view, but it but actually isn't. It's when we say, because people have misused the gifts, we will be open to the gifts, but we're not going to pursue them. You know, if, if God wants us to, to be a spiritual church, and if He wants to do something through me, I'm open for that, but I'm not actively going to pursue that. And it sounds good, but it's actually not the heart of Scripture. So if you go to the next slide, just to show you the heart of Scripture towards the gifts, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. So Paul wants them to be informed about spiritual gifts. He wants them to know how the Spirit works, know how the gifts operate. Earnestly desire the higher gifts. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us let us use them so there we see we need to be informed about the gifts we need to desire the gifts and we need to use the gifts that is the heart of scripture not to be neutral towards the gifts and say god because people have misused it we're going to be here if you want to do it through us that's fine but we're not going to pursue that that's not the heart God says, pursue the gifts with all that you have. And if you have a gift, use it. So now the question is, why is it so important for us as a church to desire spiritual gifts? You know, why did God give us the gifts? And why does he want us to use them? So if we can go to the next slide. And something that is so beautiful for me, you know, as, as a, God gives us the gifts, you know, he always has reasons for it. And I think, you know, we can, we can agree with that, that it's actually so, so beautiful for me that in Romans 12, when Paul lists the gifts of the Father, he begins in verse 1 by saying, I, I urge you to give your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, because that is your spiritual worship. He begins, before he lists the gifts, to say, lay down yourself, surrender yourself. And if we think about it, you know, the spiritual gifts actually leads us to a place of surrendering ourselves to God. And I think some of us can, can maybe identify with that. Because when it comes to the spiritual gifts, we cannot switch on a button that says, okay, Lord, now this looks like a, a nice place for, for the use of spiritual gifts. I'm open now, you can use me. Because if we live in such a way, we're actually a hindrance to the work of God that he wants to do, because he's not always open to what he wants to do. Yeah, it's quite a scary thought. But when we say to God, okay, Lord, I'm laying down my life, for you, I'm giving my body as a living sacrifice so that you can use me in whatever way you want to, whenever you want to. Then it leads to surrender and God then uses the gifts through us. And for those of us who want to know what your gift is, it's not you know, God that is slow to reveal our gifts, but it's us that's slow to lay down our lives for God to work that gifts through us. And just by a raise of hands, maybe someone has experienced that. You know, you're walking somewhere or maybe you're in a small group or at work and God lays it on your heart to go and tell something to someone, maybe give them a word, or maybe just go and share with them the love of Christ, and it's difficult. It's difficult to go, who's ever experienced that? You see, so it's not God, and Werner actually said it, that intercession, the Spirit is willing. The Holy Spirit wants to use us, and He wants to work through us. It's us that's a bit hesitant to obey when the Spirit speaks, and we need to lay down our lives so that God can use us in every way that He wants to. Okay, so why do we receive the gifts? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So we see that it's for building one another up and serving one another. I actually love how the New Living Translation translates it. It says, we each have received the gift to serve and to help one another. To help one another. And by definition, if each of us has a gift to help one another, then all of us need help. I don't know if you've noticed that. And that takes us to verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the hand to the feet, I have no need of you. You see, and that is where the spiritual gift again comes in and actually builds character in us. It, le- it leads us to a place of humility and selflessness. Because I know that firstly, I have a gift that God has given me so that I can give it to someone else. And it's not going to benefit me in any way. You know, in fact, it might take time. Let's say God wants me to use my gift to encourage Heinrich. So it's going to take me time to pray for Heinrich, maybe study a few passages of Scripture that God lays on my heart, to go and give Heinrich a word. Or maybe it's just spontaneous, and God says, just go to Heinrich and share this with him. But it's to build him up, but it has no benefit for myself. But I do that because I know that someone here also has a gift for me and I need it and we will always need one another and we will always need someone to impart something into our lives. We will always have something to give but we will always also need someone to give us something because we will always have something that we need to receive as well. And then verse 25 and if we understand that that I have something to give but I I also need someone to give something to me that verse 25 comes in that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And we see that it gives us care for one another, and it leads to unity, not division. You know, and what leads to division is when we became, become envious of one another's gifts, and when we become jealous of one another's gifts. Because if there's someone here that, that has a gift, and I'm jealous of that gift, you know, and Werner shared it this morning as well, God works like that. It's 10 to 1 that person that you are jealous of or that you struggle to get along with that have the gift that you need. You know, he's, he's holding your healing in his hands. Or maybe you're stuck in a certain place and you don't know where to go. And, and God has given him that word to speak over you. But you're too proud to go to him or to her and say, Okay, pray for me. Pray for me for this or for that. Because now I'm in competition with this person. And the second thing that happens is whenever I'm jealous of someone, Whenever I minister now, it, it becomes a competition you know, because I'm jealous of your gift. So when I minister to someone, I want them to see how great my gift is or how great I am. And we stop shining a light unto Jesus and we actually lift up ourselves. And the third thing that's so funny is, and, and it's, it's actually, you know, it, it breaks my heart that when we are jealous of one another and we view all the gifts that other people have, you will only realize what gift you have not. I will look to that person I will realize, okay, I don't have that. I don't have that. Okay, I'm not called to do that. And you will never realize what God has gifted you with and what he's called you to do. Because you're constantly comparing yourself with other people. And it's like someone building a puzzle. They have the puzzle. They have all of the pieces. And you have a puzzle. And you take your puzzle piece and you go to their puzzle. You will only realize that this does not fit there. We, we need to see God. And so we see that this is why we receive the gifts, for building up the body of Christ, teaching us character, selflessness and humility, for unity, and to care for one another. And now the second one is, how do I know what my gift is? And uh, the last while I've spoken to actually quite a, a number of people, and I see that this is actually a difficult question. You know, we, we struggle sometimes with this to realize what is the gift that God has given us. And what many times happen is that we approach God with ourself in mind when, when we want to know what our gift is. You know, and it's, not a, it's not a wrong heart. It's not something that we shouldn't do. And it actually comes out of a good place. You know, we go to God and say, Lord, we want to grow as Christians. We want to mature ourselves. And we want to know what our gift is so that we can use it. But you see, God never intended for us to pursue the gift with ourselves in mind. Because it's not for our own upholstment. It's not for for growing ourselves, it's for growing those around us. So when we go to God with other people in mind and how we can serve them, it's then when we discover what our gift is. You see, as it says there, it's given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, to help one another, that we may have the same care for one another. You see, and it's when we go to God... And we just ask a simple question. And, and that's why fellowship is also so important. You know, you know, you won't know what the need in the body of Christ is if you're not part of the body of Christ. Now you won't know what need there is in that small group if you're not part of that small group. And that's why we need fellowship as well. And as we constantly just ask ourselves this question, when, wherever we are, wherever we, we have fellowship with people, and we just ask, what is their need, what are they struggling with, and how can I help them? That is how we start to discover what our gift is. If we go to God and we just cry out, Lord, how can I help and love the people around me? Then God will be quick to reveal what the gift is that he's placed in your heart. Because you're no longer having yourself in mind, you're having the people around you in mind to build up the body of Christ with the gift that God has given you. And that is how you discover your gifts. So now just to quickly go through the gifts. It says there in verse 8 to 10, For to the one is given through the same Spirit, The utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gift of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. And we can take these gifts and we can place them into three main categories, if you want to call it that, if we can go to the next slide. Okay, that is the first one, the oral gift. So it's the gift of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, and the gift of prophecy. And just to quickly explain, you know, when it comes to the gift of tongues, who's ever had a question about tongues? How does tongues work? Why, why does that, guy make all that funny noises? And uh, just to state... From the beginning, I'm not going to tonight try and explain the difference between the gift of tongues and praying in tongues. I would really actually rather encourage you, because I can take five or ten minutes and try to do that, but it won't be comprehensive. And what I actually would encourage you guys is, if you have a question of what the difference is between speaking in a tongue and praying in a tongue, go to your small group leader, or go to someone in church and do accountability. Sit with God, sit with His Word, read the Word, pray to God that He might reveal to you what He's saying through His Word, and then join someone, go and drink a coffee and have a chat about it. That is the best way, because even now I'm going to explain to you, and you might have a question, and it's not a Q&A session tonight, unfortunately, Um, so really go and sit and have a coffee with someone, chat through it, and do not be uninformed. Know what the Scripture says about speaking in tongues, about praying in tongues. Okay, now just the gift of Tongues. So it's twofold. Firstly, if someone, like Wagner said, you know, after worship, we always have that moment. You know, if you're a member here and you have a word in your heart, come forward. And um, our gift of tongue works is someone comes forward, takes the mic, and he starts speaking in a weird language. You know, make some sounds, and we're not quite sure what he's busy saying. But that is where the gift of interpretation of tongues comes in. As he's finished speaking, and that is what Paul actually writes, to the Corinthians as well, if someone speaks in a tongue, let someone interpret, because no one knows what he's saying, he's speaking a mysterious language, then we trust God for the interpretation, then someone comes forward and they say, okay, this is what I feel God say, this is the interpretation of that tongue, you know, and it's, it's quite weird, but we actually had it a, a couple of months back um, with Renier, Renier actually came forward, and he said, he really feels God laying in his heart, started speaking in tongues, and he said, okay, Lord, we are waiting for the interpretation. Werner explained that this is how it works, and two people came forward, said more or less the same thing, Tilda was one of them. And it really built people up, and someone came afterwards and said, you know, that was really encouraging. Um, I see that God still speaks to me. And uh, we don't always know how God works, because uh, a question might be, you know, why doesn't God just speak in a normal language? You know, who's, who's wondering that right now? Now that I say it, who's wondering that right now, now after, after I've said it? <laughs> um, and it's just because, you know, it says in Scripture, God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You know, And He speaks a heavenly language. And He wants someone to bring that message, and Himself must give the interpretation, because that is just how high above the way we do things God is. And I'd also encourage you, go look at Scripture and go and study what, what God has to say. And then the second one is, it can literally be a foreign language, like a known language. It can be that as well. And we had this in Acts 4. It actually happens to the disciples. The Holy Spirit falls on the disciples, and they see little tongues of flames on their shoulders. And then the people of the city come rushing to the disciples. And they say, how is it that we hear the words and the works of God extolled in our own language? Because these men are from Galilee. How can they speak our mother tongue? And we actually had it happen in uh, one of our missions, one of our missions leaders, Sias Leroux. He went to a a country, I think they were up in Africa. And he just felt God laying it on his heart to go onto the stage and just start speaking in tongues. And he started speaking in tongues and he saw the people were nodding. And he thought to himself, yo, they're quite generous because (laughs) obviously they don't know what he's saying. He doesn't know why they're nodding their heads. And then the interpreter came up and he says, you were busy preaching the gospel in their language. And he didn't know their language. And there was actually another example as well where people were just praying at intercession. And there was a couple there, also ministers in the church, but they weren't open for the gifts of the Spirit. And they actually prayed that morning and said to the Lord, Lord, if these gifts are real, we want to see, we want to experience it. And as they were at intercession, and the one guy was also busy speaking in tongues and they were speaking French. And, he, and they told the guy, do you know you're busy speaking French? And he said, no, he had no idea. And then God was actually ministering to them. And that is also how the gift of tongues work. Then we have the gift of prophecy. And just um, quickly on the gift of prophecy, it's basically just speaking on behalf of God. We see this in the Old Testament with the minor and the major prophets. And what the prophets would start with off by saying is, "Here, O Israel, this is what the Lord says. Now, that, is, that is kind of how the prophet works. But it can just be as simple as revealing something about the word of God. Or something about the revelation of God himself. And mostly, a word of prophecy gives direction or action. Always. You know, the prophets would say, this is what the Lord says, you must do this. Or when we have a revelation of God, we would either worship God or we would repent of something in our life. So many times the word of prophecy comes with direction or action in our lives. Then we have the second um, bundle of gifts, if you can call them that, the revelation gifts. It is the word of knowledge, it's word of wisdom, and then discernment of spirits. And how a word of knowledge works, it has to do either with our very, very like, okay, just now past, like what I did this this day up until this moment, or a far distant past, and we also see this a lot of times in, in church. The same guy, letter Leroux, that went on missions. He's very gifted when it comes to a word of knowledge. So what he would do is um, stand in front as he's preaching the sermon. God would reveal something to him and say, listen here, there, there's someone here. And when you were three year old, this and this and this happened to you. And, and God just wanted to say that, that, that he was there. And that person would come up after the service. And then they would realize that God was actually there all along. Because no one knew that about them. You know, there was no way that Sios would figure that out or by looking at Chris, maybe, okay, I can see what he went through when he was seven years old. There's no way of telling that. It's not psychology, figuring it out. But it's God revealing something of what happened in your past. And mostly this leads always to emotional healing. You know, something that happened that you experienced when you were younger, something that you went through and you wondered why wasn't God there, or you had a lot of blame on someone specific, and it always leads to forgiveness. Or just the resentment that you had to someone. And, and you can just lay that down. And God just heals you. And I also want to say there is people that are not mature enough. They have this gift. And they have used it to hurt people. So that I know what you've done in your past. I know the, the sins that you have. And I just want to say, you know, that God doesn't gossip about us. You know, so I, when I was a young Christian, I, I stressed a lot. Because we had this one guy, and that led me to the Lord. And he was also very gifted in uh, the word of knowledge. And I was so terrified that God was going to reveal all of my sin to him. And then l- later I realized that it doesn't matter because God al- already knows my sin. <laughs> it doesn't matter who else knows it. God knows it already. And, but I know me and my wife, you can go and speak to her as well. You know, We were terrified going there because what has God told him? We don't know what they know about us now and what they're going to say. But God really brought a lot of healing and deliverance through our lives, um, through what he said with us. And then there's a word of wisdom. So as a word of knowledge looks back, the words of wisdom look to the future or to the very present where we're currently in. So if you're busy with something that you're facing, or maybe in business you want to, to do something, or there's a choice in life that you need to make, then God comes and he gives a word of wisdom on how to apply to that specific situation. I had not also shared this morning, there was a specific situation about some guys doing business and uh, they went to this guy and they were about to partner with him and everything looked fine. You know, it looks like a great opportunity. This is going to work well. We're going to do it. And then the one guy, also I believe, he just felt, no, uh, we shouldn't do this. He just felt something in his spirit clashing and this, is, this isn't right and they obeyed the spirit and they actually afterwards realized that this guy is a crook. He does dishonest business and he was going to, to take their money. And then they realized that is a word of wisdom. And it's also, it's not because we see the figures and everything adds up and, and we think we should make this, this decision, but it's just something that God reveals in a specific situation of what we have to do. I think there's been a lot of words and wisdom coming from people when it comes to relationships. Can you think of that? Someone that says, listen here, I really feel God say that this, this is not the guy or the girl for you. That is also a word of wisdom. But a bit easier to see. Then we have the sentiment of spirits, which is also twofold. So firstly, it's the sentiment of human spirits. And uh, sometimes it's very basic, but it's something that that God lays in our hearts. And all all of us have someone like this in our lives. Uh, Maybe your mother. She always knows how you feel. Whether you are sad, whether you are happy, frustrated, maybe angry, anxious. But there's some people that really has a gift of God to see when someone enters that door and God just reveals this person is anxious or they are fearful, or whatever the case may be, and just to go into to pray with that person, because the gifts always there for, are building the body of Christ, for helping one another, and then there's also to see what kind of spirit someone wants to do something with, so now someone comes to you and say, listen, I want to I wanna do this or that, or maybe he wants to come in and preach something to the congregation, or address a certain issue, and God just reveals to you know the the spirit with, with which this person is coming is a good spirit. You can give him the microphone. He's going to build up the body of Christ. Or maybe God says, no, the, the spirit with which this guy is coming is actually to break down. And it's not the work of God Do not give him the microphone. It could be as simple as that. And then there's also the sermon of spiritual spirits. And on missions, we, we see this a lot. Um, who's, who's, who's been on missions? Let me just see the hands. And I would really encourage you guys to go on missions as well. But when we go on missions, especially up in Africa, where they pray to you know, their forefathers, which they unfortunately don't know, demons, spirits, and they do witchcraft. And they're involved with quite a lot of that. So we encounter a lot of that up in Africa. And uh, we had this one guy, Dirk. He was very gifted in the discernment of spirits. So whenever we would come to an area, he would say, okay, we just stop. I just feel God saying that we should pray against the spirit of witchcraft. And then as we prayed there, we're done praying. One of the pastors that's from the area comes there and he says, Yes, what did you guys do? And we said, No, we just felt that we needed to pray against the spirit of witchcraft. And he says, Yes, the main area where this Ngoma lives and, and does all of this stuff is actually just a kilometer away. So then he says, for the spirit of witchcraft. Well, sometimes we're busy praying for someone they possessed, and, and we just want to know, Lord, like, um, how did this you know, demon come to enter this person? I know it sounds very spooky and very strange. But it is a reality. Um, how did this demon enter this person? You know, why? why is it in there? Because they come through open doors. And then as we would pray, someone would say, you know, it's the spirit of prostitution, of witchcraft. And then it's easier to pray against that and, and, and get them out. That is the discernment of spirits. And some people literally see angels and demons. So I know some people are not going to pray for that gift. It's encouraging to see an angel... <laughs> It's a bit scary to see a demon. I remember one night also learning about spiritual things and I was lying in my bed and one of my friends, he he, he said he saw a demon and it screamed and it made a terrible sound. And now I'm wondering, you know, what does this sound like? And uh, I'm lying in my bed and all of a sudden the sprayer goes off outside. And I, I thought to myself, certainly this is it. I'm going to see them also, but it was just a sprayer. Um, yeah, and we actually see example of this in 2 Kings 6 verse 17 where Elisa prays for chaos, and he says, Lord, open his eyes so that he can see. And he actually sees this chariots of fire around him and the angels that's actually warring for them. So that is also a reality and we can pray for God to see that as well. And there are people that see that. Um, so yeah, that's actually quite a cool gift. And then... The last gifts, the power gifts, the gifts of healing, the gift of faith, and then the working of miracles. And just to explain that, the gifts of healing, I don't know if you notice that, but whenever you read through that, it's plural. Because there's a lot of type of gifts. And just plainly, the gift of healing, if someone is sick or they have an injury, maybe a broken arm or whatever, and you pray for them and they get healed, that is the gift of healing. We had a a girl, Christelle, I don't know if some of Christelle's, People are here tonight. They're at the back. Yeah, Reino and them. So they will also testified She was in an accident and they went here to Trichardt and the scan said that she broke her neck. rushed to ICU in Springs. Got the neck broken and they prayed for her and everything went well. And just before they operated, they actually saw, okay, but the neck's no longer broken. It's healed. And that is the gift of healing and we praise God for that. Um, But then also the gifts of healing. There's certain people, and it's strange, but it happens, that literally if you have a leg problem, you can go to that person. They've got you covered because they have the the gift of healing legs. And uh, what's also very encouraging for me to say is there's, there's people in the world that they suffer from a certain illness, and then God gives them the ability to heal that illness. But they will walk with that disability and that illness for their whole life. And we don't know how it works. And and we don't know why God heals certain people and why he doesn't heal others. Um, But what we can hold fast is that God is good. He is just. We don't even know what, what the judgment on just and not just is. Only God is just and only he truly knows. But that happens. And those people serve God faithfully. And they heal thousands of people that have the same sickness that they have. And they never receive healing in their life. But through it all, they proclaim God is good. Because they've realized what the pearl of great treasure looks like. That is Jesus. It's not the one who gives me healing. It's not because he gives me this. It's not because he gives me that. It's because of who he is. And that encourages my faith. And then we have the gift of faith. And just to state, it doesn't mean that some people have faith and other people don't have faith. You know, if we believe in Jesus, we have faith. But there's some people, and I'm sure you know some of them, but they just pursue God with all that they have. And whenever God tells them to do something, they just do it. No matter what. They just go. If God tells them to leave their job, move to Evander, they'll do that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. If God says they should move to to Pakistan or to Afghanistan or wherever, they'll do that. And they'll leave their job and they'll go. Because that is what God has said with everything that's in them. And I also just want to say that we can build our faith. We can pursue God and and He can give us faith. And in the faith chapter, Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we should know that when we draw near to God, we must believe that He exists and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So if we diligently seek God and if we obey God, He will give us more faith and He will impart to us more faith and we can grow our faith as we pursue God. Because that's also a gift that we should earnestly desire. Something that we should not do is, okay, because God gives certain gifts to people, gift of faith to certain people, I'm just going to sit back and be passive because He's not given me the gift of faith. That's not desiring the spiritual gift of faith. We should pursue that as well and ask God to give us more faith to do what He has called us to. And then we have the working of miracles. So our working of miracle work if my arm is broken and someone prays for my arm and it heals, then that's a gift of healing. If I don't have an arm and they pray for me and my arm grows back, that is a gift of miracle, uh, a working of miracles, and, and, and we laugh, you know, but there was this guy, Smith Wigglesworth, in the 1800s, he had, he had the, the working of miracles, and literally, people's amputees would grow back. And I'm just so disappointed that they didn't invent the camera back then because that would have been awesome to see someone's leg grow back. But God does that. Resurrection from the dead, people still get resurrected from the dead. We actually had that in Shofar as well. And the guy was dead for three days and he was resurrected again. So that's not a healing, that's a working of miracle. And you know, Philip actually said with us a couple of weeks back, yes I laughed, I never read it like that. But it says that when Paul, no it was Peter, he was busy preaching a sermon, on the third floor and a guy fell asleep and he fell from the window and he fell and he landed dead at the bottom and then it said and when Peter had finished his sermon he went outside and he prayed for the guy and he was raised from the dead again but they knew the spiritual gifts hey guys no need to worry leave him outside anyway <laughs> he didn't want to listen we'll go raise him from the dead right now it, it, it's one of the funniest pages of scripture for me Um, but just to quickly show you guys a list of all the nine gifts if you quickly want to take a picture of that or maybe write it down there it is on the board the gifts of the Spirit and God wants us to earnestly desire all of them to build up the body of Christ and to, to really love one another and to know that there's a gift that you have among that list maybe more than one that you need to give the people around you but there's also a number of that gifts that you need in your life that you must trust God for and be open for the people around you to minister those gifts into your life. And just to end off on the heart of why we do this, why we give ourselves to God, why we give our gifts to God so that He can use us, if we can go to the next slide. It says in Ephesians 2 verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your undoing; it is the gift of God. The free gift of God, not, not by anything that we have done, And there's actually a beautiful passage in Titus 3, from verse 2 to 5, and it says that you too were once slaves to sin, various passions and pleasures, spending your days in envy and malice, hating one another and being hated yourself. But then it says in verse 3, but when the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own great mercy. And when we realize that, that we were far from God and that we didn't pursue God. But the free gift of God is eternal life and to know God and to be with him forever. And that, you know, we sang a song this morning, what would we be without the cross of Christ? And, uh, you know, we would be nowhere. And as we saw now, you know, Lord, how good you are to me. Where would I be without you? And we would be lost. But if Jesus did not come and die for us, he would still be king. He would still be God. He didn't need to do that to be God. He didn't need to give his life so that he can now be called God and King. He was always God and King. And he freely gave his life to us. And the only appropriate response is to give our lives back to him. And say, Lord, because you've given everything, I will give everything. Because you laid down your life for me, I will lay down my life for you. And that takes us to the next slide. Because of the free gift of Jesus... I will use the gifts that God has given me to love God, love people, and reach the world.